I don't remember whose wedding it was. I was about five. And I remember we were eating at Happy Garden in Sacramento, a seafood restaurant. The decorations were ornate and colorful, with big lights, drapes, and even a lifted stage, decorated with a glamorous phoenix and dragon, with lots of gold and various colors. In the middle, in red, was a large character for double happiness in Chinese. The room was huge, and the tables were covered with pink tablecloths. Each one had a glass Lazy Susan in the middle. On top sits two two-liter bottles of soda, one 7-Up and one Coke, and of course, a box of Remy. Next to them were white bowls with soup spoons ready for the first course. What I remember being most excited about was not the wedding. What five-year-old really cares about that? I was most excited about this giant pink inflatable soccer ball that was given to all the kids. Among all the lively, colorful decorations, this was the thing I was most drawn to. I've always been drawn to colors and design, and that applies to food. I love those baking shows with big, ambitious cake designs, which is probably what drew me to a particular pastry chef on Instagram. Heather Wong is the founder and pastry chef for Flowering LA. She has always been an artist and tried her hand at cartooning, but she realized that baking was more in line with her passions. I was always, you know, decorating cakes, so I think for me, my art and my painting output just happens to be with cake, because you can eat it. Her shop is located in LA's Chinatown, and her office is in the same building where her grandparents once ran a hotel. Heather joins the show to share her story. Could you talk a bit about yourself, who you are and what you do, and, you know, just to someone who has no idea who you are? Of course, yeah. My name is Heather Wong, and I'm a baker, pastry chef here in Chinatown, Los Angeles, California. Um, I've been baking for, oh my goodness, like over 12 years But during the pandemic, I started a business, a baking business called Flowering, and that was born out of, you know, losing my job during the pandemic and then needing to bake just to make money, but also enjoy my life of baking. And so, yes, started Flowering and it did really well. And um, I'm about to open my very first bakery here in Chinatown. You grew up in Chinatown. Could you talk more about that? Sure, yeah. I grew up around L.A., East L.A., Montebello. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood in Chinatown. My grandparents, they um, had a hotel or a motel hotel in Chinatown called the Bingwang Hotel. And they ran it themselves as, uh, you know, immigrants do. They come here and then they just... They just open businesses and they just like grind away. And so um, my mother was a single mother. She had to work. And I spent my days growing up running through the halls of this uh, hotel in Chinatown, helping them, not so much helping them work because I was a child, but the, I, it was a nice idea to, to have me there, keeping them company in their office and, um, you know, spending time with other children of immigrants too in Chinatown, who also had businesses, and we're still there. Funny enough, a lot of us have grown up and taken over our family's businesses, and, you know, we still have that business in Chinatown, the hotel, but it is converted. I've converted some of the units into my office, 
into a kitchen for me to test out of. So I'm still actually in the space, in the office space that my grandparents used during that hotel time many, many years ago. And it's now my office. So it's pretty cool to still be in there all these years later. Can you kind of like describe your style with cakes? I know there's like tons of beautiful pictures online, but if you can talk to your like style of decorating and cake making. <laughs> yeah, I think over the years, having seen so many cake decorators and wanting to develop my own, you just naturally do develop your own style. And I think that I would describe mine as very clean, more simple, artful, a lot of fresh blooms. I really like to use fresh blooms, fresh edible blooms on my cakes, but also just like painting with buttercream is kind of my jam. I really liked that. I tried to create something different many, many years ago when everyone was working with fondant and I didn't like fondant. I didn't know how to work with it. So it's like, I'm going to stick with buttercream. And I used buttercream like I would with acrylic paints or oil paints on a, on a canvas. So the canvas for me is my cake and I just really like doing wacky things on cakes, like painting and throwing edible flowers on them. So yeah, very clean. What gave you the inspiration for that? Do you do painting before that or school or maybe someone you know painted? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny. I actually, I never really painted before, but I did want to go to art school. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to go to NYU and be a cartoonist. And then I tried to go and realized I was a terrible cartoonist. Came back to LA, tried to pursue some art and realized I was just not really that great. Um, it's not my jam, but I do have a passion for it. I went to UCLA for anthropology and global studies. Has no application in cake painting, but it makes for a fun story. And just on the side, I was always, you know, decorating cakes. So I think for me, my art and my painting output just happens to be with cake because you can eat it. So growing up in L.A. Chinatown, do you feel like a lot of your heritage or culture with your grandparents influence who you've become as an adult now? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, my grandparents... They're from China. They really helped raise me while my mother was working. And, you know, I was immersed in this uh, Chinese community. They were a part of the Wong's Association in Chinatown. They were really strong community members going to banquets all the time, going to do these, you know, fundraisers or dances or community events and outreach things. And so I'm half Chinese. I'm not... I'm also half Mexican, and but I feel very lucky to have been surrounded by very like strong Chinese immigrants who just taught me a lot about the culture, about the food, about their community and family was so important. Unfortunately, they didn't carry down the language to me because I was just such an American child. But I, I'm really grateful to have the experience um, of, you know, just being around my Chinese heritage with them. And I am trying to do that with my son now as well and just stay in Chinatown where I've spent so much of my childhood. Can you talk a bit more about identity? Like how much of your identity is based on like baking versus cultural or heritage? Well, I think in L.A., what you do is such a huge part of who you are. They say your work should not be your identity, but 
I like what I do. And I don't mind that baking is my identity um, because it's my creative output. It's the way I think. What you see on my menu is how I think and what I like and what I want to share with the world. So, you know, that's a huge part of my identity. But how people also perceive me in this world is Asian American. And growing up in an Asian household, that's that's all I know. So I feel very much American, but very Chinese American that bakes. So I am influenced by the flavors that my grandmother introduced me to. And I try to incorporate that as much as I can into my baking, even though I'm not as good of a cook as she was, I can at least bake and, you know, honor her through my baking. What kind of things do you do with your son to continue the tradition of culture? Um, Well, I think for me, the most important way to continue the tradition of culture with him is to just keep him immersed in it, bring him to Chinatown as much as possible, because that's what I grew up in. And that's all I know. Family gatherings, we do a lot of, um, we're trying to do more of, you know, little cooking parties together, dumpling parties, um, creating spring roll parties. My mother's trying to bring those days of, you know, when she was younger with my grandparents back into our family fold once again and just honoring once more the traditions of my grandparents during the seasons and through food. You said you lost your job during the pandemic, which helped spur the business, but would you have started it otherwise? I think that whether the pandemic happened or not, it was my destiny to start this brand eventually. It was in the cards. You know, I, I know that the pandemic was really rough for a lot of people and and people are still recovering from it, but it kind of opened a new door for me where one door closed, the other opened, and it allowed me to really see the potential of my career history and then to apply it to, you know, something new, which was the brand I'm trying to continue to grow now. So does the name flowering have like a significance for you? It kind of does. Um, you know, it's funny. I thought people, more people would ask that, but they don't, and that's okay. But I, I, I'm eager to share that name. So the way that I spell it is flowering, flowering, like you're using baking flour to sprinkle onto a table before you roll out dough. My very first email when I was a teenager, um, I used flowering heathers because heathers, when you look it up, it means flowering. The idea of flowering is that it's to establish something beautiful and new and it's blooming and budding and like on its way to be something beautiful and great. So I just thought that would be a cute play on words for this this new brand. I'm surprised not more people ask about that. That's yeah. Um, do you have like a favorite memory or two um, growing up with your grandparents? Oh gosh. I have so many wonderful memories. And you know what's funny is now that you ask me that, they're all really centered around food. You know, going to banquets when (laughs) older Chinese people love grand Chinese banquets and banquet halls. And I don't know if this is a normal thing amongst Chinese families or it's my grandfather, but he would always bring leaders of seven up to these banquets for the table to share. 
is that just my family? I don't know. I need to know if that was just us or if it was other people. But yes, so they would always bring leaders of seven up to to the banquet so we could all share that. And then, of course, bringing our our Tupperware, too, so that we could take the leftovers home. (laughs) Well, that's really nice that you guys brought Tupperware. Usually, like, you got to ask for, like, the boxes when you're there, but... (laughs) No, we're prepared for these dinners. We're like, we're taking food home. That's what's happening. And it's funny that you bring up the 7-Up thing because it's just a very distinct memory because it's also, like, the giant thing of 7-Up and then, like, a cola of some sort. Exactly. But so you you saw the leaders there too when you went to banquets when you were younger? Did you explain that? Okay, it's a thing. No, I swear he brought them. Yeah. There would be like a liter of seven up, a liter of like, I don't know, Coke or something else, and then like the giant bottle of like um Remy like there for the adults. <laughs> they love Remy. That is so funny. Yes, I remember that as well. What kind of food and flavors did you um, grow up with? Oh, gosh. I I love salted duck egg. That is something that I cannot get my son to enjoy. It's a very, you know, not familiar flavor to American pellets, right? So Asian American, you know, we're more familiar with it. And I'm glad that I was introduced to the salted duck egg early on because I just, I love that in everything, mooncakes. The like, the little dung like rice things wrapped in the the leaves, um, and I also really like black sesame. That's my jam. Oh my gosh, uh, what are they called? The little mochi balls with the um, it's in the soup. Oh, tongyun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, love those. I am not well versed in um, a lot of the Chinese <laughs> vocabulary. That's okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know a lot of them, too, in the sense that, like, I'll know it in one language, but I won't know the translated thing either way. And then half the time, I'm like, I don't even know if this sounds correct, because I... So my family is Cantonese, but um, they're from Vietnam, so we're Chinese-Vietnamese. So half the time, I'm sure the things I'm saying have a weird accent, or I'm saying it wrong or it's in a different language that I have no idea what it is <laughs> so when I ask people they're like what are you talking about yeah <laughs> just just say it in English yes just describe it yes so I'm also curious um you were on food network for was it a competition yeah I was on spring baking championship on food network and that was a lot of fun I not somebody who enjoys competition or timed baking competitions. I just it stresses me out. But it was actually a really fun, great experience, and I, I met you know some really good people that I still talk to to this day. And this was a few years ago. So yes, did that, and that was a worthwhile experience. Do you feel like that experience altered any style? that you may have had prior going into that experience? I don't think it's so much altered. It may have just more reinforced my instincts um, and what style I like and the foods that I like and the flavors I like. Because, you know, when you're doing these competitions, you have to think fast. What flavors do you like? What what do you think will present well? And so you have to just go with your first instinct and just do that because you have 30 minutes to make something and present to the millions of viewers so it was more of a, just a reinforcement of like, oh, trust, 
my thoughts on my food and my my creativity with desserts and pastry, and and it served me well on the show. Do you have a favorite cake? Do I have a favorite cake? Um, well, my personal favorite cake, just if you were to gift me a cake, it would be chocolate chocolate. So it's just straight up chocolate on chocolate. But I've had so many other people's cakes recently that were just so unique and so different from what I do too. And I think that's just really important to try other people's work as well, just to see what's out there, expand your horizons and enjoy the fruits of other people's labor. And so I, I don't know anymore. I just love cake. Everybody's cake. If you give me cake from anybody, I will eat it. I love, <laughs> this is controversial. I love Costco cake. I love supermarket cake. I just love cake. <laughs> did you start cooking or did you start like baking first? Did you spend a lot of time in the kitchen as a kid? No. No, I never baked. I never cooked. I never, there was no foreshadowing of that, you know, in my youth. Like I don't, it just kind of happened. I was 26 going to UCLA, needed a job. It's like, okay, I think I like baking. I have no idea. And I got a job at a bakery and realized, oh, I'm actually kind of good at this. And it went from there. I started getting jobs at other bakeries, um, was asked to lead a, a, a pastry program and then another pastry program, then help somebody open a bakery. Um, so just kind of like spiraled that way. And I don't have any professional school experience that way. So that's always been something I've felt like, you know, not as good at, but years have gone by. So I feel confident now in, in what I do. So you mentioned your son. Is there anything else culturally that you would want for him to learn that you haven't quite touched on? I want, well, circling around to food again, I want him to really experience and appreciate the food of his family and his grandparents and the traditions with family, the importance of coming together and cooking and creating our holiday traditions like a what was it for for Lunar New Year? It was creating dumplings together with the family. That That's really fun. And just being proud of his heritage and vocalizing and advocating for our culture and our people, right? Just constantly shouting from the rooftops how proud he is to be from an Asian American family. So... It's, it's just, I guess, family and culture immersion as much as possible in Los Angeles, where it's so mixed. So how does your story fit into the American story, into your identification as an American? Um, growing up in Los Angeles in a part uh, Latino community and part Asian community, and also being half Chinese, half Mexican. In America, I just, I'm just i balancing all these cultures at once, trying to find a strong connection to one, but ultimately realizing, you know, not just being Chinese, not just being Mexican in a predominantly white community, I'm balancing many different cultures in this larger space. And I don't think I realized that that was okay to be all these things, identify as all these things all at once, 
until very recently, until a few years ago, you know, not having to be just one thing or the other, that I can be multicultural in this city, enjoying many identities, enjoying many different kinds of foods and um, being friends with many different kinds of people and sharing this with my son that you can have this, what is it, multiplicity, duality? I don't know what the right word is here, but just all these things all at once. It's, it's not a singular identity. So I think being American isn't just being American. It's, it's being all the things that your parents and grandparents are into one capsule of a human. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. But um, yeah, I just feel like I'm all the things all at once in this point in time here. <laughs> Did you ever feel conflicted growing up with that multiplicity or duality? I, like I said, I, I, I struggled with identity for most of my life because people saw me as not what I identified as. So I was either, you know, not Asian enough to uh, Latinos. I was definitely not Latino enough and American. I was definitely not white. So what am I? I'm in the in-between. But nowadays, there's so many of us in-betweeners, right? We're kind of everywhere. And I, I actually really appreciate that I can float between different cultures, understand it, but also outwardly express it at the same time. And that might have been something that was not possible to do when I was younger. Um, so it definitely feels good to find a place in the in-between, but also in the everywhere. I, I get what you mean. I think it's interesting how everyone is kind of identifying what they are. I guess that experience in itself, it's its own singular thing, but collective thing. <laughs> Yeah, it is its own experience, um, and it took many years to to appreciate that. But I'm I'm grateful for the struggle, actually, because now I can really appreciate where I've landed and the perspective I have now on culture, especially in LA, in California, in the U.S. That was my conversation with Heather Wong, founder and pastry chef of Flowering LA. You can learn more about her shop and order cakes for yourself at her website, floweringla.com. That's F-L-O-U-R-I-N-G-L-A dot com. She is also on Instagram at Chef Heather Wong. But just a heads up, there are lots of photos of delicious cakes, so you may get hungry. For more information on this episode and the series, head to pbsreno.org slash refugeesdaughter. And a special thank you to Heather for joining the show. Subscribe to Refugee's Daughter wherever you listen to podcasts and give the show a rating and review. I'm Christina Lee, and thanks for listening. This episode was written by Christina Lee with production help from Divergent Point Media. Refugee's Daughter is a presentation of PBS Reno. 